Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is a beautiful day here in Starkville, Mississippi, but man, is it mucky. The weatherman promises a lot of humidity this week, and I guess that's an old guy move that I keep up with that sort of thing. But uh, when you've got as much hair as I do, the barometric pressure and humidity matters. Be that as it may, it is Monday. It has been a historic weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, but that's not all we're going to talk about. There are a lot of other things that are going on uh, in the world, including Mississippi State picking up a pair of football commitments here in the past couple days. We're going to talk about that. Kind of hinted about some of that on Friday. Teddy Knox, longtime lean of Mississippi State, officially gets in the boat on Saturday. And then uh, earlier today, Deltona, Florida, three-star safety, Mazo Williams commits to Mississippi State. We're going to talk about that in depth today. And a, a top ten list today. I had, I had so, many, so many of you have been so great to reach out and say, Steve, I love the top ten list. I hope you keep it even when things return uh, to normal. And, and I, I plan to. And some of you will offer your uh, you know congratulations on a list or tell me that I was wrong and 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 I enjoy all that stuff too I enjoy being able to kind of get to know each other a little bit and talk about some of these things and uh, so today's top 10 list very very difficult for me it's one of my favorite bands of all time it is a band in my mind that changed music ushered in a new era in music so we're going to talk about that today I love talking about music. I have often considered doing a music podcast, just kind of as needed. You know what I'm saying? Just kind of do it just for the fun, just for, for doing it. And then dedicate like a whole show to talking about how much I love these bands or perhaps have guests and that sort of stuff. So maybe, maybe that's something we'd look at, look at down the road. Because I don't know anybody that lives near here. I know some people think they do. I don't know anybody here, near here or in, you know, in my circle of influence that knows as much about 80s metal as I do. I just, you know, my tastes were very uh, eclectic, shall we say. I love Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and all the rest. But I liked a lot of other bands, too. So we talk about that. But uh, I'm I'm a rock guy, but I love it all. You know, I'm like many of you. I'm not a big country music guy, but I respect so much of that. And there's so many of them. And listen, I I get it. You know, I don't want to be disrespectful. You know, a lot of the a lot of the country music is kind of two and three chord progressions, and I get it. But it, it moves people; people enjoy that sort of stuff, and so I respect it. I don't like it all, but I respect it all. Speaking of respect, somebody that deserves your respect is Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Man, great, great people, part of a family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for years and years. They know what they're doing, without a doubt. Bulldog Burger Company has now become a bit of an institution here in Starkville. Everybody says, you know what, Steve, we'd love to get a Bulldog Burger in our community. And I bet you can't. I bet you do wish that you could have that. But you can't right now. But what you can do is the next time that you make it to Starkville or Tupelo, Mississippi, make plans to go by and have your favorite restaurant-quality hamburgers right there at Bulldog Burger Company. I encourage you to get the the spring rolls. I, I believe, without question, they are the best appetizer and start go proper and what i mean by that not only is it tasty but it's a little bit hearty you know sometimes they give you an appetizer and you feel like it should be just paid 
you know, $10 just to kind of lick a plate. I mean, that's not what you get with the spring rolls. You, you get something that kind of gets your appetite going, but also, too, is very, very delightful. Have the spring rolls, trust me. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville, Mississippi, and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Two great locations, two great crews, one fabulous menu. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so uh, so here we go. Let's look into a couple things about the uh, – let's talk about the flag stuff. The first thing that I will say is uh, there are a lot of very emotional opinions about the flag. I don't ever profess to think that when it comes to something like this that I've got the corner on the market – of how to feel and uh it's a very emotional issue it always has been but our state flag is changing there are a lot of people in the national media of course that uh, have kind of given a tip of the cap to colin hill there are others that have tried to downplay his role in all this so here's what i'll say about that first and foremost to suggest that colin hill had no impact on this is very short-sighted and a little bit stupid no it's a lot stupid he did. Now, he was he the first to come out? No, he wasn't. So, did he kind of follow the trail of the SEC and the NCAA? Possibly so. However, there is a personal part to play in all of that. Because let's let's be honest, the SEC and the NCAA they can make a statement. And you know, the, here's the thing: the SEC is not going to have a softball championship game this year, but they're going to have one next year and the year after. But whether they have it at Mississippi State or Ole Miss, it's not going to prevent them from having an SEC championship game. They're going to have it. They're going to have the SEC tournament. They just wouldn't have played it here in Mississippi. The NCAA has operated now for, goodness, the better part of 20 years now. They have not allowed pre-tournament NCAA sites to be held in Mississippi. Yet we've continued to have the NCAA tournament. We just hadn't played them in Mississippi. And the women's side's a little different because it's almost like a regional. But you understand my point. The SEC and NCAA made these huge statements, and yes, they were very impactful, and yes, they were influential in having the decision made, but they weren't going to cancel the dadgum tournaments because of the flag. Kyle Hill gets out there and says, you know what, I'm not going to represent this state anymore if they don't take down the flag. Now, there's some ambiguity in that statement. Some people have kind of took that to mean that uh, – you know, that he was uh, he wasn't going to apply. Now, he, he stopped short of saying that. And some people have said, well, he was going to transfer or whatever. But the bottom line is, is he put out there and, and took a, a strong stance against the flag. And to suggest that people weren't paying attention uh, is a little bit short-sighted. And one of the things I've learned about that, I mean, that, listen, you know, there are some trolls on, on the Internet uh, you know, fans of rival schools, they're never going to give Mississippi State credit for anything, okay? And so engaging with them is a waste of your time and then gives them the attention they so desperately need. Uh, the bottom line is this. Colin Hill is a hero. Uh, Colin Hill basically put his name out there, and not to mention all of the scrutiny and the negativity that he had to deal with for his stance. He never backed off of that. One of the things that I thought would happen and I think it probably would have happened eventually. And it was a part of me that wished it would have happened sooner rather than later. Is once Kyling went out, you, you noticed there were some of his teammates that said, "Hey, listen, I'm with you. I'm uh, listen. I, I stand with you." 
And, yeah, I saw some players from Georgia and Florida State and even saw some NFL players and some people in the national media, some celebrities. Didn't see a lot of Ole Miss and Southern Miss people, not players. And I thought eventually, well, it'll spread. You know, it, it'll, it'll happen. But it didn't happen. And now in hindsight, I'm glad that it didn't happen. I'm glad that it was Mississippi State kind of being the lightning rod here uh, to kind of help move this thing along. Because the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, Colin steps out first. He's the one that has to bear the brunt of the negativity. And so now there's nobody else that can claim the credit of it, at least not at his level. And that's, that's really my point behind that is, you know, if it had been an army of people, there had been solidarity, you could have said, you know what, hey, this thing's going to get changed. And you know what, that would have been beautiful. But there wasn't. There wasn't. And so uh, I noticed yesterday, I guess it was the uh, – one of the representatives wanted to name the bill the Kylan Hill bill. I'm not a big fan of naming things after people that are still alive just because uh, there's always the possibility they could do something later uh, to tarnish their own legacy. But I think just the fact that that, that was uh, debated is quite the gesture, quite the honor you know, for Kylan Hill to have his name associated with this. And, uh, and so now there's a couple of things that I would like to say uh, you know, about that you know, now, now that we, now that the SEC and the NCAA, uh, you know, have kind of made these dramatic statements, well, there needs to be a bit of a reward too. And and I, I I'm a firm believer that you know, people should never be disrewarded for doing what their jobs or you know, the minimum standard. But if you're going to go out here and get involved in these things, there needs to be a bit of a payoff for the state of Mississippi. Now, what does that mean? I mean, I don't know. But I don't think it should be a situation where you just consider to ignore the state of Mississippi. You had an excuse not to for many years if you're the NCAA because you said, you know what, we're not going to let any NCAA championships be played. But then they did, right? So I'm eager to see now, now that we've done this, you know, what their course of action will be. You know, for me, the thing that I began to think about, and we discussed it on the show back then, is – you know, the regionals. I mean, NCAA baseball regionals are a huge part of what we expect to do here at Mississippi State. We expect to be able to, to host a regional, host a super regional, and be able to celebrate going to Omaha right here on our home field. It, it, it gives us the path of least resistance to get to Omaha, to be able to play right here at Duty Noble with our incredible fans. Basically, you know, every year that we've hosted NCAA women's tournament, the first two rounds, we've gone to the Sweet 16 at a minimum. You know, and so that's some of the things that were at stake. But, again, it's about doing the right thing. And it doesn't matter the motivation. That's one of the things that I've read many people that have said, well, you know, I just hate that we were coerced into this. You know, we had multiple opportunities to do this. Well, I wish we'd done it for the right reasons. Yeah, me too. I wish it had never gotten to this, but it did. But now it's over, and uh, my hope is there can be some sense of reconciliation. As I said on the show before, you know, if uh, – you know, I don't support the federal government or the state government or local government or anybody like that ever come to your home and say, you know what, you can't fly this flag. Uh, that, to me, that's a First Amendment issue. I think it's long, as whatever you do at your house is between you and your neighbors. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you if you want to fly, you know, the, the Confederate flag or the old state flag at your house, I think that's your business, and I defend your right to do it. And I'll argue with you uh, and fight for your side of the cause. That's your business. But what flies over our state capital is all of our business, and it should represent all of us. And so 
you do what you want to at your house. I'll do what I want to at my house. And then uh, we'll, we'll both kind of come together and make some kind of decisions about who we should vote for to represent our causes uh, when it comes to selecting these state symbols. That's one of the things, too, that I don't think a lot of people realize. I've, I've read a lot of this angst about, well, we should have voted. We've never voted. We, we have never voted. And I know people say, well, you know, we had the 2001 referendum. It was a non-binding vote. Uh, but it has been the responsibility of the state legislature all the way back to the 1800s uh, to select our state symbols. And uh, I've shared that link on Twitter and with other places uh, over the weekend. It has always been the responsibility of the state legislature to, to select those and then adopt them. And along those same lines, I don't know who lobbied to have milk as the official drink of the state of Mississippi. I guess maybe because we're an ag state. How is sweet tea not the official drink of the state of Mississippi. How, how, how is that possible? And then, uh, I don't know if you know this, but we have a, uh, we have a state fossil. We do. We have, we have a state fossil. I don't remember what it is. We have a fossil. Of course, we have a bird. Uh, I don't know why we picked the mockingbird. I've never been a huge fan of the mockingbird. But, you know, so what? It is what it is. I didn't get to vote on that, but I'm... You know, I don't really, I don't have any skin in the game when it comes to birds. So that's behind us now. Now we begin to move forward. And I know some other people have said, well, you know, well, Steve, you know, what is next? Uh, I don't know. I don't go to the meetings. I'm not part of any of that. I, I just know that uh, once this stuff intersected with sports, when it became a Mississippi state issue and not just a state of Mississippi issue, uh, it concerned me. It did. And, and, and I'm being honest about that. You know, a lot of people have said, well, I've always wanted this to happen. You know, I'll be honest with you. I've never really had strong opinions about the flag. Take it up, put it down, don't have one, whatever. But the price of poker went up when all of a sudden, you know, all these other things are going to be taken away from us. And if that's the motivation needed to bring change, then so be it. Uh, that, that's how I feel about it. I'm not going to belabor the point with it. Uh, we're going to get ready to... To kind of move on with some things, but uh, there are a lot of there's a lot of other things that are going on uh, in, in the country that don't relate to Mississippi State sports. I don't really have strong opinions about those either. I just try to kind of keep my nose down and mind my business and uh, and what happens, you know, what, what impacts our business and our ability to feed the family. Uh, that makes it a little more personal uh, to me. And so maybe I shouldn't say those things. Maybe I should just come out here and say, well. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I believe the children are our future and raise them up and let them lead the way and, and sing Kumbaya and stuff. I, I, that's just not who I am. But I'm glad that this chapter is behind us. I think it is historic. And uh, to be honest with you, I got a lot more invested in that emotion than I ever expected to be. And the more that I talked to my neighbors and the more that I've reached out to other people, I began to kind of realize that, uh, that my view on this was a little bit uh, narrow at times. You know, I thought, well, if it doesn't impact me, it's not really a problem. And that's not true. That's not true. Sometimes we have to think about the collective good. And uh, so I have learned a little bit from this. And uh, I have always kind of been apolitical as an adult. You know, back in the early 90s, I thought we were going to save the world. I thought that uh, we could put on a Rage Against a Machine album and, uh, and go shake our fist and uh, get the world to listen to us. But uh, as I have matured, and hopefully matured, as I've aged, I have found that uh, a lot of these battles are not won through aggression. 
you know, they're one through influence or organization and that sort of stuff. And a lot of things that happens behind the scenes, you know, and a lot of times you can get things, if you're able to speak to people intelligently and, uh, you know, articulate your thoughts without arguing with people, sometimes you can win. I'm not saying that we don't need all of that. You know, sometimes there, there comes the need to fight. But I have found that uh, it's a lot easier to get things done uh, not having a, uh, you know, you know, a, a, a free concert out in front of the Republican or Democratic National Convention. You know, and, and we did that with rage. We did. And that was kind of the naivety of youth. And I thought, you know what, this is, this is how we'll get them to listen to us. We'll yell over them. And then as you get a little bit older, you understand that um, that doesn't work because people don't hear what you're saying. You're yelling so loud they can't hear your message. And so there is some of that still happening today. There is some of that today where people feel like, you know what, I can just shout everybody else down. And uh, you don't make allies that way. You make enemies. So uh, college football, that's one of the things Mike Nemeth and I talked about a little bit earlier. I am a lot more optimistic than most just because I, I believe that there will be a system in place to ensure that we're able to play college football. And a lot of people have felt like, you know what, a lot of these universities have put news out here and said, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to have you know, fall classes and go ahead and prepare to do this and, and uh, get your housing together, get enrolled for classes. And then there's discussion about we're not going to go back after Thanksgiving. We're not going to go back to class after Thanksgiving. We're going to go virtual the final part of the fall semester. I don't have those answers. You know, I hear those things, and, uh, you know, people say, well, Steve, we're going to play college football. I firmly believe we're going to play college football. Will there be fans there? I don't, I don't, I just don't know. And I've, t- I've talked to people, countless people, uh, in the last week about these issues and others. Everybody's optimistic we're going to play, but nobody seems ready to put a number on it. And at least once a day, we have somebody say, well, I heard that we're going to have 25% capacity. We've had, I've heard we're going to have 50% or we're going to have full capacity. And I'll tell you, I have talked to some of the decision makers in this process, and there have not been any decisions made. There are a lot of people that have theories and, uh, and opinions about all this, but the bottom line is, is there's just nothing to know at this point. I don't think we're going to know, and after speaking to some Mississippi State officials, I don't think we know until early August what attendance is going to look like for college football. And we're supposed to get into football practice next month. And here we are on June 29th. As, as long as this year has been and as wild as it has, has been, the month of June seems like it just ran by. But the month of June was supposed to be a big month for us. We're getting people back. We are seeing COVID, crisis, uh, COVID cases on the rise. Mortality rates continue to plummet as these, these rates go up. But uh, there has been a lot more social interaction this month with people taking to the streets and a lot of people just kind of let their guards down and said, you know what, I'm just kind of tired of social distancing and, and uh, practicing these uh, COVID-19 protocols. And so we've seen some cases go up. And again, I'm, I'm not a, 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 a person that works for the Center of Disease Control, but uh, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that we have seen cases kind of take off again just because of the fact that we have been around each other a lot more. And a lot of people have just you know, not been quite as vigilant as they once were. Uh, so there is a cause and effect to all of that. It's not that, it's not that the virus has changed. It's just that our behavior uh, has somewhat changed. And so I think some people are just kind of tired of dealing with it and just said, you know, if it happens, it happens. If I get it, it's probably not going to kill me. Uh, but I think some of the reports we're seeing, too, is 
even if it doesn't kill you, if you spend a lot of time on a ventilator, uh, life for you is going to change in a very different way. So we'll see. Now we get into the month of July. So we've had a, a new group of signees that have shown up, and uh, I've reached out to some people trying to find out if we had anybody test positive, and so far nothing. You know, we did have the four players test positive the first time through. So, as I've said on the show before, expect there to be, you know, a rash of new tests and new uh, infections just because of the fact that the, when there are more people tested, there are more infections because you uncover these. It's not a situation where they got the disease by showing up on campus. They, they likely brought it from home with them. And then we'll get into, we'll introduce coaches into the mix here very, very soon. Many of your coaches, I know, are out of town kind of finishing up, getting ready because uh, this is it. You know, this, this is the final homestand before we get ready to, to get into practice. And we haven't heard dates yet about when practice will begin. I don't know what kind of availability we'll have. Some of that uh, will likely be virtual. You know, because let's be honest, if I'm Mike Leach, do I want KJ Costello in a closed environment with, you know, a dozen players uh, meeting with media, and I have no idea where they've been? I have no idea who they've interacted with. I have no idea uh, if they're following the protocols to be safe. And so I don't know that I would want K.J. Costello standing within a couple of feet of the media and then sharing the same oxygen. So perhaps most of the media coverage is virtual. Maybe the media relations has this fills questions from us or we have a Zoom call or whatever and uh, – they transcribe it and send it out to us? I don't know. But I don't expect media opportunities to be what they have been, and I think rightfully so, because there's still so much we don't know about what's going to happen as far as these players. What, what if K.J. Costello comes to media day, on-campus media day, and then gets sick and then has to miss a couple of weeks? You know, I, if, if I'm K.J. Costello, I, I'm not going anywhere other than the football complex stuff and around all the medical people. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put myself at risk because even if there's not the uh, probability of a fatality or even a hospitalization, if you're positive, you can't play. Even if you're asymptomatic, you can't play. And if you're a guy that's got NFL millions at stake here, you're not going to put yourself at risk. If you're Mike Leach, you're not going to put your quarterback at risk. You're not going to put your team at risk. You're not going to put your season at risk. Now, you can't keep these guys in a bubble, but you can, for the most part, kind of limit their interactions with people that you have no supervision over. And so as a result, I think media interaction with football this year is going to be very, very limited. And there was some discussion about in men's basketball, they're going to pull us off the floor this year. Uh, You know, we've been sitting on the floor for several years now. Uh, so I don't know what that means for us this year. I think down the road we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be kind of up somewhere a little bit uh, higher, have a higher vantage point. But uh, you know, what's what's a press box going to look like? You know, going forward. You know, the, the football press box in Mississippi State is open air. It's big. It's wide. Uh, you know, there's plenty of room in there. But I suspect that we're going to have some social distancing seats. I don't think there's going to be a situation where, you know, when, when Alabama comes or LSU comes and they have a lot of people that come that really don't do a whole lot, uh, that it's come to ball games, you're probably going to limit those people from coming. 
And so, you know, for people like myself, you know, I go on the road and cover road football with uh, Dave Murray and, and Mike Nemeth and uh, shoot pictures down on the sidelines and then work the photo workroom. And, and I don't, if you've ever been in a photo workroom, it's basically a closet. And then you've got about 20 people crammed in there arm to arm, uh, elbow to elbow. So what does that mean kind of going forward? Those are the things that everybody's still working through. What's going to happen? What's going to be the working situation for the media? Uh, you remember back when they were first talking about baseball, is they were going to play the, base, the, the Arkansas baseball series, but it was only going to be media. There was not going to be any fans available. And then they canceled all that. And, of course, but knowing what we know now, we probably wouldn't have done that then. Probably wouldn't have done it. But it, at the time, it was probably the right decision. It's because of the fact that we, we didn't know about infections and how, how um, easy it was to transfer this virus and how contagious it would be. So a lot to consider. And uh, I know I have to kind of set up a lot of uh, possibilities there without a lot of answers because at this point there just aren't any answers. There are a lot more questions there are answers. Uh, but I still firmly believe that we're going to play football. I want to remind you, too, if you're looking for a gift for yourself or you know, you've got an anniversary coming up or whatever, Hawthorne.co is the way to go. Hawthorne produces the best cologne that I have ever worn. I have shared that with you guys many times. It is not a situation where I just look at this and say, well, you know, I'll just take their advertising dollars and not use their product. No, that's not true. Anything that we advertise here on the show is something that I can personally attest to or I wouldn't take the contract. I've got plenty of people lined up to advertise. Hawthorne, I'm telling you, is one of those deals. You're gonna, you, it will change the quality of your life and how you feel about yourself because you're going to have so much more confidence because when you walk in a room, you're going to be the best-smelling guy in the room. Go to Hawthorne.co, take the test. It's a two-minute quiz. Might not even take two minutes. You go through, fill out your preferences. They'll then pair you up with some scents that best fit you. You're going to love it. You get the work scent, the play scent. You can also get the body wash, the shampoo, the conditioner, uh, the face wash. There's so many different things you can choose from. Anything that men need to look good and smell good, you're going to find right there at Hawthorne.co. Use promo code BONEYARD. That's B-O-N-E-Y-R-D. And that'll get you a $20 gift card uh, with your order. Again, that's Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard. Let's get into the top 10 list today. All right, so let's get into the top 10 list today. It, it, it's, it was very difficult for me to do because I, I don't believe this band has had many clunkers. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. 
Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. As, as songs. The, you know, there are a lot of bands out there that have some high points, and you listen to an album, and once you've heard a couple of songs, you realize, ah, oh, it's okay. It's a lot of filler on this album. Not really any filler on these albums. And when they first hit the scene... Goodness, man, I tell you, it was one of those deals when they arrived, it was like, there, you know, some some bands kind of warm up. Not the case with Linkin Park. Linkin Park hit the scene screaming literally and figuratively uh, with that great album, Hybrid Theory. To me, it changed everything. It absolutely changed everything. And music, when people talk about new metal and that sort of stuff, I, I see it as much different. I, I remember when, uh, and you guys may remember this, when uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith teamed up to do a collaboration on Walk This Way, it really kind of changed things because, number one, I think it revitalized Aerosmith's career. If you ever read the, the book Walk This Way, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They were kind of dead in the water. And it kind of reunited and recorded Done With Mirrors, which was a clunker. And the best song on the album was uh, Let the Music Do the Talking. That was an, actually a Joe Perry Project song that he brought with him to Aerosmith. But uh, the Run DMC rendition of Walk This Way and that video on MTV really was one of those things that kind of you know said, hey, it's, it's kind of okay to like rap music. And then when Public Enemy and Anthrax redid Bring the Noise, I think it was one of the most incredible moments in rock music and music collectively. When you go back and look at that video, uh, it showed that it was okay for us to like each other. You know, that people, even though we were both extremists, you know, with metal and with, uh, you know, with really, you know, that's the thing. Public Enemy, there's a, there's a lot of rap that was just kind of silly back in the day and, and even more so now. But Public Enemy and Chuck D and those guys had a message. And whether you agree with their politics or not, it was impossible to ignore them. And I have such a respect for Chuck D. 
uh, you know, Flav has kind of, you know, um, lost it a little bit. But, uh, you know, but, but Chuck D was a revolutionary. And uh, so I had such respect for them. And so with when you had two powers like Anthrax and Public Enemy coming together, it showed what, what amazing things are possible uh, in music. And so Linkin Park, I think, is kind of a child of that era, I think because of the fact that they, they had rap influences and they had rock influences and they brought them together, I think in a way, unlike anybody else, I know some other people have suggested, you know, that Corn and Limp Biscuit. I love them both. I think Linkin Park is more polished than both of them. Uh, and I think Corn is one of my favorites as well. But Linkin Park is just one of those bands for me. They created their own lane. There are a lot of people out there that have genres and, you know, they, they want to put labels on bands. Uh, to me, Linkin Park is just one of those bands that changed everything. And so uh, Hybrid Theory comes out, and uh, there's so many great songs on there. And it just, again, it was a hit album right out of the gate. There wasn't a whole lot to think about or talk about. They were already kind of making their point. So I don't know that I can give you 10, but here's I must have 10 honorable mentions because every time that I would make the list, I thought, oh, I'm forgetting this one, I'm forgetting that one. So here are the ones that didn't make the list, but I still love them. Papercut, Somewhere I Belong, I think is one of the most poignant songs in the catalog. Crawling, Shadow of the Day was a big crossover hit for them. Breaking the Habit was a big screamer. Uh, Guilty All the Same with Rakim, speaking of rap music. Uh, one of, that's off the Hunting Party album, an underappreciated album. And then Burn It Down, that's off Living Things. Living Things, you know, I've got a, a, a lot of my favorite tracks from, from Linkin Park or from that album. So so here we go. Again, this is my top ten list. Your top ten list would probably disagree with mine, but yours would be wrong. My number one song is probably a bit of an upset because I did not go with a traditional Linkin Park classic. I some of those songs are kind of overplayed. I think you got to get a little deeper in the catalog. So my number one is not what many of you would expect be warned okay number 10 for me is the catalyst off of uh, a thousand suns uh it's it's a it was kind of a departure from them they got a little more techno i guess you could say a little less guitar oriented on this album uh but i really dug it i thought i thought it really worked for them uh what i've done is number nine for me that's off the transformers uh soundtrack also on uh, Minutes to Midnight, what I've done I thought was a big hit for them. I thought them being in that movie was huge. Love Megan Fox in that movie too. Uh, number eight for me, also off Minutes to Midnight, is Bleed It Out. It's a very different song from Mike Shinoda. He wrote that and uh, not really the dance track that uh, or the rap song, the influence that he had. And I really liked him, uh, Mike's work with Fort Minor. Some of you may remember that was a little solo project he had, a song called Remember the Name. I think that it was one, one fall when every football team in the country uh, had that as the, the soundtrack to their, to their highlight video. Uh, number seven for me off Hybrid Theory is Points of Authority, kind of an underappreciated classic if you ask me. It never really gets played on the radio like it should. It is as good or better than most of the songs on that album, in my opinion, and I don't think it gets enough credit. It's been covered in recent years by some other rock bands. Points of Authority, go check it out today if you're unfamiliar with it. Number six for me, kind of getting into um, into the, the bona fide classics, Numb. 
Uh, that was a big hit for them. It was one of those things. Uh, it seemed like every time you turn the radio on, that song was on. I think it is a little bit overplayed, but it's not their fault. You make music to get on the radio, and it was on the radio on an MTV back when they played videos religiously. Number five for me, and this would probably not be in most people's top ten, but it is my favorite Linkin Park song that nobody ever really talks about because it was kind of a return to the true Linkin Park sound because they had kind of they experimented a little bit and they, they, they lost some of their fan base. But a song called Lost in the Echo off Living Things sounds like something off the first three albums. Go back, check it out. As a matter of fact, I've listened to it most of the weekend. Uh, Lost in the Echo is one of those songs to me that uh, is quintessential Linkin Park. When I think about how Linkin Park can sound, to me that's one of the songs that comes to mind. And Mike Shinoda said in an interview when the album came out that he had to kind of really sell Chester Bennington on uh, putting it on the album. And uh, once they mixed it and uh, kind of did the overdubs, they realized that it was a hit, and it absolutely was. You used to could go to, uh, they may still be there. There was a Lost in the Echo website. You can go and log in with your Facebook, and then your pictures, like your, your people become the characters in the video. It's kind of cool. Uh, number four, New Divide across this new divide that's another one to me right in the wheelhouse of lincoln park uh there's a lot of there's a lot of great songs but to me that's one of those ones as soon as as soon as it comes on i know exactly who i'm listening to number three one step closer i think everybody knows the words of this song whether you realize it or not just put it on and you'll find yourself singing along because it's been one of those songs too that's kind of been uh played so many times that it's kind of ingrained in our consciousness it's a great track. It's a great song. And I'm about to break. Uh, number two, In the End. That's probably most people's number one. It's not for me. It's not. But In the End, it was, it was a huge, huge hit. And I think there, I think every kid, the kids of the day, the kids in their late 20s and early 30s, this is what they grew up on. And so when I think about the music that I grew up on, how precious it is to me, I know songs like these are absolute classics to the new generation. But number one for me, my favorite Linkin Park song of all is a song called Faint. It was uh, actually on the uh, Collision Course uh, EP, which was the smash-up with Jay-Z and Linkin Park. One of my favorite records of all time. It's only, I guess, a half dozen songs. You can go download it today. Uh, they recorded it in, st- in studio. It wasn't one of those situations where they just, it was one of those computer creations. They actually went and worked together and meshed some of their hit songs. Uh, if, you don't, if you're unfamiliar with it, you need to go listen to it. It is one of those things in my mind that will blow your mind. And there's a lot of times you've got uh, Lincoln Park doing the rap part of Jay-Z songs over a Jay-Z beat, and then other times you'll have a Linkin Park riff where Jay-Z's rapping over the top of it. It is, uh, it is incredible. I- I'm a huge Linkin Park fan, and sadly, it is one of the bands that I have never seen. It's just one of those things when they were at their heyday. I, w- I had small kids, and I wasn't going to shows very often, and and uh, never got to see them. And then won an opportunity. To- I had a chance to go, and that didn't work out. And then they were overseas for a while, and. Uh, you know, things happen, and uh, may, may Chester rest in peace. But uh, one of those things, I, I don't know that how you move forward without him. He was the front man of that band, but he never took attention to himself. They were a unit. That's one of the things when you think about all these great bands, there's always some singer that thinks, you know what, I should go solo. 
Chester didn't do that. He was true to his group. And uh, Lincoln Park, I probably should have done this list a long time ago. I could have probably put a top 30 together. That's how much I loved him. If you haven't listened to Lincoln Park in a while, let me encourage you to do so. Go back and listen to Hybrid Theory or, uh, you know, the first two or three albums. But if you're a longtime Lincoln Park fan and maybe you lost track of them later in their career, go dial up Living Thing to the Hunting Party and listen to those. Uh, it's it, there's some there's some songs in there that I think will uh, will capture your attention and kind of pull you back in because we're not getting any more Lincoln Park music. I, mean, I don't know how Mike and them move forward. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. I'm very happy to have them with us. Campus Bookmart's one of those places that uh, you know where you are when you get there because they specialize in Mississippi State stuff. Go by and see Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They will help you and treat you like family because you are family in their eyes. You should be excited to get there because you're among friends and family when you walk in the door. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Everybody's getting ready. Mom, Dad, go ahead and get the kids ready. Get everybody excited. We're back to school here before you know it. Get them some maroon and white merchandise. Let them rep the brand. Let them know that we're Mississippi State people. We're happy to be Bulldogs because we are. We're the best. All right, let's get into some recruiting. Teddy Knox commits on Saturday. Not unexpected at all. Now, he had initially had said that he was going to announce his decision in June and then about, oh, two weeks ago, he told Paul Jones, hey, I think I'm going to do it on my birthday. Well, he did, after they announced the dead period was going to extend all the way up to August 31st, he decided, you know what, let me go ahead and make the move here. So he holds true to his original time frame. He was back and forth about when. There was never a question of who. I know that there was some people on the Texas side initially thought, well, you know, he's a Texas kid. But he's not a Texas kid. He's from Baton Rouge. Matter of fact, his grandmother, who, who is his uh, you know, primary you know, parent family, she's going to move back to Baton Rouge once he's done with school there. Once he graduates, she's moving back to Louisiana. She plans to be at every game. Uh, just has a comfort level, you know, with him being, you know, five hours away from home. It's not, not so bad. Uh, but Teddy wants to catch a football eight, nine, ten times a game. He's a guy that wants the football. He wants to be able to play in an air raid. He thinks that gets him ready to go play in the National Football League. He is among the highest-rated receivers Mississippi State has ever committed, and certainly in the last several years. I would go back and say Fred Ross is probably the last guy that even had anywhere close to the same level of offers uh, that Teddy Knox does. So where do we go from here? Well, we picked up Mazo Williams earlier today. I'm a Mazo Williams fan. I'm going to have an article up later today kind of breaking his game down you know I, I i haven't watched him until today and now that i've watched him and uh, I, there's a lot of footage out there about him uh this guy can really play he's already a shade under six one and about a shade a biscuit under 200 pounds i could see him growing into a linebacker i could especially in this scheme uh, but i really like what i'm seeing from him not a, a huge offer list, but let's run it down here for you real quick here. Just I think it's important uh, that you guys have this information. And give Jason Washington uh, the uh, the tip of the cap here. Jason is the one that makes this thing happen. Out of uh, uh, 
D1 Florida, D1 High School in Deltona, Florida, pardon me. So, uh, so here, here's your offer sheet. 30 offers, for, in case you're wondering. 30. Florida is a highly recruited area, especially with uh, you know, being that close to Orlando. You know, they're going to have uh, a lot of schools come through there. So here's what we got. Of course, Mississippi State. You got Appalachian State, Bethune, Cookman, Bowling Green. Not impressed yet, right? We're here. Get ready to go. Cal, Central Michigan, Charlotte, Cincinnati, UConn, East Carolina, Florida International, Florida A&M, Florida Atlantic, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Iowa State, Kansas, Liberty, Louisville, Marshall, Middle Tennessee State, NC State, South Alabama, South Carolina, Troy, South Florida, UT Martin, Vanderbilt, Washington State, Western Kentucky. That's your list. And a few others. A partridge in a pear tree. So he had some options. Mississippi State among his best options. Uh, but South Florida is just down the road. And so that had been a very easy decision for him to make. There are a lot of kids that are kind of wanting to be closer to home just because of the COVID-19 virus and all the concerns with all that stuff. And so, uh, But that's not the case with him. He decided, you know what, I want to play in the SEC. I like Mississippi State. That 3-3-5 defense gives me a chance to get on the field because State is going to play their five best DBs, and I believe I can be one of those. And so now he is uh, committed, and I believe he sticks. The thing that I said yesterday on the, on the Gene Spades message board and then with the uh, – you know, in the article that I wrote about what's next is, uh, you know, unless the big three in Florida get involved, I don't think there's going to be any drama with him whatsoever. You know, he has known for some time that he really liked Mississippi State, but he wanted to kind of take some time to kind of get to know other schools. And um, really, Jason Washington, Eric Mueller did a good job here kind of making him feel like a priority. He's now firmly in the boat. But unless... One of those schools in the Panhandle, Florida, Florida State, or Miami. They're down south, obviously. I know my geography, but uh, Miami hasn't really sniffed them yet. Florida State has a little bit. But unless that happens, I think this this kid's going to stick with us. I really do. Uh, And that excites me because, listen, it's not a great year in Mississippi. And I said that last year. Last year was a good class. Wasn't a league class. We didn't have the headliners we had the year before. Uh, but this year, you know, the, the cupboard is kind of bare at some spots. And we got some quarterbacks. We, we, we don't really have a ton of running backs, but I think Mississippi State is probably going to get both of the best running backs in the state. We have some receivers, and we have some guys that had a great resume early. And now there's some questions about foot speed about some of those guys. And I really believe had they gone to those Nike camps, it probably would have come into focus for us a little bit sooner. But you notice Mississippi State, you're not really chasing those big-bodied receivers in the state of Mississippi because there have been some questions about foot speed. Teddy Knox is a guy that gives you credibility right out of the gate. Big-time receiver Brandon Buckhalter also committed. Brandon mentioned on Twitter last night that he might actually want to play safety. He is talented enough to play either spot. Uh, I like him a lot, too. I, I think you take him as an athlete and you figure it out when he gets here. But the way that Mississippi State needs wide receivers, maybe he starts at wide receiver and then makes the move over. So what's next? Malik Neighbors now. All the crystal ball picks are coming in from Malik Neighbors. Malik Neighbors, very, very good friends with Teddy Knox. Knox has been working on him for weeks uh, to try to get him to join him at Mississippi State even prior to his commitment. I expect neighbors to be in the Mississippi State boat before the end of July. I don't think we get into fall classes 
without Neighbors making a decision. I know LSU has kind of flirted with him a little bit. They haven't really pushed through. That's always something to watch. The home state school is always the one you watch because at the end of the day, people get back and thinking, you know what, it'd be nice if my friends and family could come see me play and come hang out on weekends. Doesn't always work out that way. But uh, you always wonder and worry a little bit about the home state school. But with so many great receivers in Louisiana this year, LSU's not going to be able to get them all, not to mention they got Deion Smith, you know, from Provine. Uh, so we'll see how things kind of progress on that front. But I think if I had to call it today, I would say Malik Neighbors certainly in the boat by the end of July, probably in the first half of the month. I think Teddy Knox, now that he has taken the plunge and uh, committed to Mississippi State, only kind of adds a little pressure to, to – uh, Malik Neighbors to join. And then that leads you, you know, some in-state guys. I think that's what you're going to see kind of moving forward. I think you're going to see State go really heavy on DBs in-state, and there are some. And then there are some in-state receivers like Jacoby Moore and Canarius Johnson that I believe are priorities as well. Not to mention Ty Cooper is a defensive end, and he might be the, the lone Power 5 defensive lineman in the high school ranks in Mississippi this year. But I expect us to really make a run in the home state here in the next couple months. I think that's going to kind of be a priority. I think that's what you look for. Uh, MJ Daniels, of course, is the guy down at George County, uh, very highly coveted player, former commitment of Ole Miss, but he committed to the old staff. And so that while Lane Kiffin and his group plan to honor the commitment, uh, the kid decided to move on and kind of open things back up. A uh, good friend and cousin, McKinley Jackson, is at uh, Texas A&M. But I just don't know that he makes the call to go out there. I know Florida State fans are very confident early on. I, I, Mississippi State's working hard to get M.J. Daniels. Justin Wally is a guy that recently picked up a crystal ball at a Baylor. That doesn't phase me in the least. I don't think he is going there. If Mississippi State wants him, and I believe they do, I expect him to be at Mississippi State. I know there's some people early on that said they thought he would go to Ole Miss, and if not, he would go out of state. There is no logic whatsoever to support that argument. That's just somebody kind of, uh, you know, wailing at the wind. But I expect M.J. Daniels and Justin Wally to be a big part of Mississippi State's recruiting uh, push here in the next few months. And so we'll kind of see how things develop uh, with those guys. But the bottom line is, is that there are some talented players here. We're not as especially skilled uh, on the offensive side that we have been in recent years in the state of Mississippi. But there are still some value out there uh, within the state. And so look for that. I know we we got we kind of expanded the footprint. We've gone into Florida. Uh, we've gone into Texas, and we've secured some commitments out there. But very, very soon you can expect you know kind of the home state. It's time for state to kind of clean up the green a little bit. I, I think M.J. Daniels is probably a guy that waits out the process. Justin Wiley is a guy that's kind of talked about doing some of that too. But I think – you're going to see a real commitment to make these in-state kids feel like they're a priority sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, and so how nice would it be to get into fall, into fall camp already having Malik Neighbors, Brennan Buckhalter, and uh, Teddy Knox already in the boat, and then you can decide if you want to take four or five receivers, and I think you have to. I, I think based on what you've got returning and – what you stand to lose this year and the needs at the position, as many receivers that, that Leach wants to play, probably go a little bit heavy there. And uh, speaking of going heavy, look for State to get really, really heavy along the front here pretty soon with some offensive linemen. Defensive line names are a little bit few and far between. 
but look sooner rather than later for State to kind of pull the trigger on getting some of these big bodies in the, in the boat. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I, I don't know if you guys have kept up with me at all, but um, we are down to the last handful of chapters now that are going through the edit process. We've already had the first round of edits, and there's the rewrites and all that stuff. And so now we're down to the, to the very end of that process. And uh, here in the next couple of weeks, we'll push this book off to print. But every time I go back and read these chapters, there's always some thoughts. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I remember. I'm, I'm so glad we got that in there. But there are some chapters in this book that are really, really heavy. And uh, as I shared with you guys, you know, the, uh, the Alan McKean chapter, I think, is really, really special. But I think the Game of Change special, Game of Change chapter, especially when you consider the things that have happened in recent days, I think that is one that is, is going to, to mean a lot to a lot of people. And if we talked about Colin Hill at the top of the show. You know, he will probably get a lot of credit for this. Uh, he will probably get a lot of criticism for, for this deal about the flag. But, but I'm not the least bit surprised to see Mississippi State have a person involved in, in change when it's come to this sort of stuff. Because Mississippi State's record uh, with civil rights and sort of stuff and diversity are uh, a lot better than most of the schools in the SEC collectively. And it's not been just one thing. There are a lot of people that point to, to one thing and they say, hey, look at us. But you go back and you, and you begin to think to yourself, Mississippi State in the 1940s was the first team in the state of Mississippi to ever play against an, an integrated roster when they played Michigan State. Uh, Mississippi State had the game of change, the story that's so famously known. There's a lot of young people today that don't know that. You can go Google one night in March and watch the trailer uh, for that little documentary. It should be a full-length feature film, and it's that wonderful of a story. But Mississippi State was ahead of the game then, too. How Mississippi State integrated the student body uh, was also important. You look at Melvin Barkham. You know, Mississippi State, one of the first to ever have a, a black starting quarterback. Not to mention Sylvester Croom. And so this is kind of who we are. We talked about being the people's university. We always have been. But it's not just a moniker. It's not just a hashtag. It's true. It's kind of who we are. We've always been very accepting of other people. We've always been the kind of folks that uh, when you meet us, we want you to go eat supper with us and sit down and visit with us. And uh, We're just kind of down-to-earth folks. And so I'm not the least bit surprised that Colin Hill, a Mississippi State player, chose to take a stance about this because that's kind of who we are. We always have been. We always will be. And so it's not a State or Ole Miss thing. And I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Ole Miss and the Rebels are next. Maybe it is. But that's not our fight. It's really not. And uh, listen, if you, if you ask me, you know, you know, I think that's their problem to deal with. It is. And uh, there, there are going to be some things. There are going to be people advocating for more change here because people get emboldened uh, when they get a victory. You know, but I think this is a victory for all Mississippians. You may disagree. I don't think any less of you, and I hope you don't think any less of me because we may have varying opinions on this. But uh, the bottom line is it makes me proud that Mississippi State has always been an agent for change in the right direction in a state at times that has been very reluctant to make change. And so when there are other universities within our, our state that are mired in conflict and in controversy, more times than not, we've handled it with a lot more grace than they have. And that makes me really proud. 
If you're still looking for Stark Villains shirts, you can find them at StarkVillains.com. Get a t-shirt, get a hoodie. I encourage you to do that. There's so many people that say, every time that I wear one of those shirts, people say, Steve, where do I get that? Even people that don't know me or the book, they just see the shirt and think it's really cool because they're from Starkville or they, they love Starkville, and so they get them. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Go ahead and get those ordered and take care of yourself. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way you make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.